I'm Agent Bender. You don't know me, but I know you. I work for the largest organization in the world. You've never seen us, or probably ever heard of us. But we have a presence in every household, including yours. Don't believe me? Then we're doing our job. Bender, it's time to begin your CTU training. Agent Stodge and Snow will take it from here. Look, uh, I appreciate it, but uh, well, no offense to Snoop and Dog over here, but uh, I work better alone. I can run my own show. It's a classic case. Textbook. I agree. So who's going to let me in on the joke? Oh, there's no joke. Just the oldest twist in the book. And you, my friend, are a classic case. Uh, I get it. <laughs> Okay, you're messing with the new guy. <clears throat> no problem. I can take my medicine. So what's next? You gonna pants me at the water cooler? <laughs> we rarely joke, and we never pants. The first twist that the boss ever pulled is the one that you're in right now. It's directly related to authority. The uh, competition had made it clear that he was the ultimate authority. And that as long as everyone followed along, everything would be fine. Since there were only two people on the earth at the time, you would have thought it would have been simple. But that was before the boss stepped in. Wait, wait, I, I heard something about this. Something about a snake with an Adam's apple? Close enough. Uh, the bottom line is that the competition had set things up so that everyone is under authority, and ultimately under his authority. Yeah, about this competition? Someone trying to move in on the boss? Wait, what? What? Didn't anyone in the organization ever tell you about the competition? If they did, I didn't catch it. Now that's a surprise. The competition isn't trying to move in on the boss. See, the boss moved in on him a long time ago. Really? So what's this competition's name? Well, no, we don't use names. And it's best not to mention it, especially if the boss is around. Let's just say he's... Upstairs. What a moron. Chinese. Huh? Oh my god. Well, I said no names. Imbecile. He said no names. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, Dodge, pull up case 478. This is a good example. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is the one you've been watching. Oh yeah, this is some of my best work. You know, if we have one more meeting where Simpson tells us he wants to see new designs by Friday. I may go postal. Just because he's our boss, right. he thinks he can order us around. Besides, there is nothing wrong with these designs. Oh, they're good. Um, excuse me, can you guys tell me where receiving is? It's just around the corner. Oh, okay, great. Oh. Say, these designs are great. You guys are too good to be working here. Maybe you should start your own company. <laughs> you know, he's right. We don't need this place. We should start our own company. Why? Well, I don't know. I have a wife and two kids, not to mention a mortgage. So what are you going to do? Sit around here and let Simpson tell you what to do the rest of your life? You're right. Yeah, we should be in charge for a while. Yeah, absolutely should. Good. Now fast forward a few months. Hey, have you finished the new designs that the client wanted to see? 
When was I supposed to do them? I'm still filling out this tax form. And then I have the LLC agreement that's to be into the Secretary of State. Not to mention... Well, the, the client's going to be here by 3, and she said she wanted to see the new designs by Friday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get it. So the competition doesn't want anyone starting their own business. You're not too bright, are you? It's not about business. The point is that we can convince them that things will be better if only they were in charge. Then they rebel and get themselves into more of a mess. Right, good. And cue up case 5160. That's another good one. Where have you been? Out. Don't push me, Billy. I told you to have your room clean by the time I got home. Yeah, well, I had things to do. Oh, really? Well, then no car until your room's clean. You can't take my car. I have a date tonight. Not anymore, you don't. At least not until your room is clean. You can't tell me what to do. I'm 18 years old. And besides that, I'm free from you and all your rules. What's this? I joined the Army. From now on, no one is going to tell me what to do. So you see, rebellion equals freedom. So, what does this have to do with me being on my own? And the twists just keep on coming. So the first thing on your listening guide is this idea of rebellion equals freedom. Any, any of you ever believed that when at some point in your life? Let me see your hands. Anyone? Anyone? How old were you when you first believed it? Maybe 10 or 11? Um, maybe your early teens. Maybe, maybe you didn't rebel against all authority, but you rebelled against those whom you knew would let you get away with the rebellion. Um, if you think about this, though, it doesn't take long to realize that if you rebel against all forms of authority, eventually you're going to have all of your freedoms completely taken away, right? I mean, we have prisons all around Palestine. we got folks at work at those prisons, and these people thought that they didn't have to obey the laws or the rules or whatever, and now they've had all of their freedoms taken away. Now, most of us here won't go that far because we don't want to go to prison, so we've gotten a little more sophisticated in our thinking. We'll obey a law if the consequences are too severe. Um, we just don't want to get into that much trouble. But really, we have the attitude that rules are okay as long as I agree with them. If we disagree with the rule, we'll just ignore it. Instead of dismissing all authority, we're just going to decide one rule at a time whether we're going to follow that rule. And if we think the rule goes too far, if it's too restrictive, I'll just reject that. I'll ignore that rule. If I think the speed limit is too low, then I'll just ignore it. If I think my taxes are too high, I'll fudge it a little bit because the government spends too much money anyway. Um, if I disagree with the curfew, I'll just ignore that sucker and I'll come in anytime I want to. 
Now, two weeks ago, we talked about there's an invisible uh, world that that very often impacts our visible world. And we talked specifically about germs. If if germs that you can't see meet the right circumstances, they all of a sudden become visible when you get sick, right? Now, how many of you in here are a-germists? I figure if an atheist is one who doesn't believe in God, a germist is one who doesn't believe in germs. Does that work, Joe? How many of you do not believe in germs? Let me see your hands. Everyone believes in germs. So you already believe that there's an invisible world that impacts our visible world. Well, the Bible says just like there are invisible things that you cannot see that impact the visible, there's a spiritual world that's invisible that impacts our visible world. And if you believe in God, you're already halfway there. You already believe in an invisible being who makes an impact in our visible world. It's the other half of the equation that you ignore. According to the God you say you believe in, there is an enemy of God, which means there's an enemy of people who follow God, who is out to destroy you. Jesus was God's son who put on flesh. He was invisible. He became visible. And he said, there's a real enemy named Satan who wants to mess you up. And unlike germs and bacteria where you need a microscope to see uh, in that invisible world, in the spiritual world, all you need really is a rear view mirror. Because when you look in your past... You can see that every time you rebelled, you had been deceived. And and so in moments of honesty, we look at our lives and we say, how could I have been so dumb? Why did I rebel? Why did I do these dumb things? How could I be blind? How could I be so deceived? And here's the crazy thing. Many of us actually had people when we were in those seasons of being deceived. People are going, don't do it. Don't date that person. They're an idiot. Don't you see they're using you? Don't use that drug. Don't go there because if you do, your life will be destroyed. But we didn't get it. We didn't listen. We couldn't see because we were deceived. And the really, really strange thing, the ironic thing, is that we thought everyone around us was deceived, and we were the only enlightened ones. They just don't get it. He loves me. She loves me. We're the ones that were deceived, and now it's very, very clear we were stupid. We made some bad choices. Now, the Bible makes it clear that your bad choices are not your parents' fault. It's not because they painted your room the wrong color when you were in your little crib in your nursery. It's not because your daddy liked your brother or your sister more than you. It's that Jesus said it's that there's this invisible world of demons led by Satan who are constantly trying to destroy your future. And so when you rebel... Jesus says, when you rebel, instead of following God, you're following your daddy, Satan. Now, I know, I told the early service this, I believe the most intelligent people in Palestine come to New Life. I thought you'd like that, right? So the question is, do intelligent people really believe this stuff? Isn't it just religious nut jobs who believe in the devil? Well, it boils down to this. Do you believe Jesus or not? Because in John chapter 8, we looked at it two weeks ago, but if you want to read it, John 8, 31 through 52, I think it is, 59, you can read where Jesus very clearly says there's a devil. We call him Satan. He, he is a liar. He's the father of lies. He steals, kills, destroys. He says, when you do those things, you're following your daddy. When you rebel, you're following your daddy. Jesus said, there is a devil. So today we're going to talk about this twist, and it has to do with authority. Now, when I'm in authority, I like authority. Um, the Bible says that the husband is the head of the home. I'm a husband. I like that one. 
Janie supports that one too. Good rule, God. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. I'm a parent. Good rule. God, thank you for your wisdom and foresight to write that into scriptures. I can show these little rebellious kids. Obey your parents in the Lord. Good rule, God. I'm the pastor of a growing church and and there's some authority that goes with that. And the Bible says, as long as I'm leading towards Christ, that you're supposed to follow and you're supposed to be under some type of authority there. I like rules when I'm in charge and you do too. You do too, right? We're going to be dead level honest today. You like rules when you're in authority. You like rules when you're in charge. Uh, See, I, I, I like to call the police. I don't like to have the police called on me. I I like the police chasing the bad guys. I don't want the police chase. I like the lights out in front, flashing in front of me, but not behind me. Not that that's ever happened. Nothing but the truth. Here's the big twist. When it comes to authority and rules, our response has been to ask the question, what? What am I being asked to do? The twist from the devil is if I don't agree with what I'm being asked to do, then and and I can disregard the consequences, nothing's going to happen to me. You better believe I'm going to disregard that rule because I think it's a dumb rule anyway. And I don't have to feel guilty because it's a dumb rule. And if I can see how dumb that rule is, surely God can see how dumb that rule is. So we're over here with God going, that's a dumb rule. Who's the dork who made up that rule? Now, if there are consequences to that rule and I just don't want to suffer the consequences, I might follow the rule not because I think it's a good rule. I just don't want to suffer the consequences. And, and let me just say, I'm not talking about going 31 and a 30. Actually, one time I was coming down Gardner Drive and, and I was, I don't even know how fast I was going. And I get a phone call from Officer Baker. And Officer Baker said, you, you, you should probably look at your speedometer. And I went, oh dear God, I saw him back behind me and I was like, I'm, I'm dead. But he had mercy and grace on me. Thank you. I'm not talking about, and I wasn't doing 31 and a 30. He wouldn't even call me for that one. Um, I'm not talking about whether you come to a complete stop at a stop sign before you turn right. I'm talking about a 16-year-old boy who decides to get into a car with a bunch of other 16-year-old boys and, and several six-packs of beer. Underage drinking, that's a dumb rule. We don't have to follow that. We're going to ignore it. We don't like that rule. What about the open container law? I think that's a great rule. You shouldn't have open alcohol in the car. That's a great rule. But but some people say that's a good rule for you because you can't handle your alcohol. I can handle my alcohol. It's a bad rule for me, so I'll just ignore that rule. We feel free to ignore rules we don't like, and, and it's just like our parents who ignore tax rules and tax laws. Ouch. When you open your Bibles, you find a, an entirely different opinion on authority. And we're going to look at that today. The twist from hell says authority is about what the Bible, the truth says the question is who it's all about who with a capital W. Cause we're talking about God. 
Now, we're going we're gonna to open up Romans chapter 13, and if you have your smartphone or a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Let me, let me tell you something before we read these verses. I believe every word of the Bible is true. The Bible says that, that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be equipped for every good work. So I believe the Bible is true. So the, the, this, is, this is true because it's in the Bible, but, but I'm going to tell you some circumstances behind it that will help you understand what an impact this had on the early Christians. If you don't know anything about Rome, uh, the Roman Empire, it was not a good place for Christians in the first century because they weren't welcome there. You see, Romans believed that, well, the, 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 the Caesar believed that he was a god, and so the Romans would be required to call out, there is no god but Caesar. So if you follow the one true God and you don't call out to Caesar that he's a God, that's not a very popular opinion in Rome. Now, Nero was the guy in charge, and, and he was a bad dude, not, not in a good way. I don't mean that in a good way. Nero got mad at his mama and had his mama killed. He got mad at one of his wives, and he just he, he chopped out the middleman. He killed her himself. He was the guy in charge when, when there was the, the great uh, fire in Rome that burned for nine days. He blamed it on Christians and he persecuted them because of the fire. Some of them he had ripped to shreds by dogs. Some of them he burned at the stake. And some of them he used as human torches to light up his garden parties. He was evil. He had no morals. That's the dude that was in charge. And that's the, the, the situation. That's the society that Paul writes these words to in Romans chapter 13 verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Um, Paul, have you heard of Nero? He's not a good guy. And Paul says it doesn't matter who is in charge. It doesn't matter what they tell you to do. It's about God. And, and, and this is actually what it is. All authority comes from God. It's the way God established things from the beginning. All authority is from God. So that means all authorities have been allowed by God. Now, I don't believe God um, blesses evil rulers, but he uses evil rulers in our lives. So all authority comes from God. God always works through human authority. Now, you can, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but there, there's several examples of this. God works through good human authority, bad human authority, righteous human authority, unrighteous human authority, believing authorities, unbelieving authorities. God always works through human authority, and it's not about what they ask you to do. It's about who is the ultimate authority. Capital W, capital U, capital A. We're talking about God, the founder of everything. He's the ultimate authority. Now, you're smart people. So some of you, somebody out here is going, wait, wait a minute. You're saying if I rebel against my parents, I'm rebelling against God? Yes. You're saying if I rebel against my employer, I'm rebelling against God? Yep. If we rebel against the government, we're rebelling against God? Yep. That means everything I do is spiritual. You're getting it. You're making my taxes a spiritual issue. Yes, I am. You're making my money a spiritual issue. If it's your money, what happens to it when you die? You don't take it with you. It's not yours. You just borrow it for a little while. 
Some of you borrow more than others. Um, you're making my marriage a spiritual issue, my sex life a spiritual issue. You're making my entire life a spiritual issue. That's exactly what I'm saying because that's what the Bible is saying. Every decision you make is a spiritual decision. Verse 2. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. God has established the authorities in your life. And people want to say, well, you know, I love God, but I hate authority. (laughs) You're deceived. And you've bought the oldest lie there is. Because in the Garden of Eden, the very first humans... Satan comes up and he goes, let's reconsider this whole, let's not eat from this one tree concept. I know God said it, but it's a dumb rule. You don't have to obey that rule. You see what he did? He took it from who made the rules to what the rule wanted them to do. And God says, nope, nope. It's all about who established authority from the beginning. And here's why this matters to you and me. Your attitude and response to human authority reflects your attitude and response to heavenly authority. This bottom line, to think you can be out from under the authorities that God has placed in your life and still be under God's authority is deceived. God says when you fall in line with human authority, it demonstrates that you will also fall in line with heavenly authority. This explains a lot of the pain and suffering that you've had in your Christian life. Because you've rebelled against human authority, which means you also regularly rebel against God's authority, spiritual authority. Verse 3. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Yes. Do what is right and they will honor you. Now, I'm gonna, I've got two words highlighted there at the end. You're going to read those out loud when I get there. The authorities are what? Oh, that, that was terrible. The authorities are what? Sent for your good. And by the way, it's coming up again. See them? They're highlighted. When we get there, you say them loudly. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are what? Sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Your boss, whether he follows God or not, is God's servant in your life. Your parents, even if they are hostile to God, if you're still living in their home, they are God's servants in your life. Paul is writing to Christians in the most hostile environment possible. And he says, God works through human authority, good ones as well as bad ones. And some of you are sitting there thinking, dude, no one believes that. And you're exactly right because we're deceived. No one believes this authority stuff you're talking about. It's because we're deceived. We live in America. We're set up for this thing. Nobody's the boss of me. Somebody's always the boss of you. Try not paying your taxes. Someone will tell try not paying your mortgage. Try not pulling over when Officer Baker calls. Somebody will show you that, that you're not in charge. If you're a boss, you're God's agent. If you're a teacher, you're God's agent. If you are a parent, you're God's agent in someone's life. That's the way God works. Verse 5. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment. Now, if you're a parent, you're going to get this real real quickly. The, the most immature response to authority is to only obey so that you do not suffer the consequences. 
The most immature spiritual response is to, is to obey just so that you don't suffer consequences. Paul says, don't do it just so that you don't suffer the consequences. He says, uh, we all get that. If my dad finds out, he'll kill me. Well, what if your dad doesn't find out? Well, let's do it then. We all understand avoiding punishment. Paul goes next level. It's more mature, this next response, but also to keep a clear conscience. Any citizen can obey the law just so that they don't get punished, but Christians obey in order to be clean before God. We have a higher authority. According to Paul, cheating on taxes is cheating on God. Cheating on a test is cheating on God. Disobeying your parents is disobeying God. The way you react to human authority is the exact same response that you're going to have to spiritual authority. And this is more than keeping the rules until you, you, you think you won't be caught. A follower of Christ has the Holy Spirit living inside them. When I disobey, when you disobey, when we rebel, we grieve the Holy Spirit. That means we lose God's direction and power and discernment in our lives. When we disobey, you're accountable to God even when nobody else knows what's going on. Look at verse 6. This is also why you pay taxes for the, for the authorities are God's servants. There it is again, three times. Come on. Who give their full time to governing. The Bible even talks about taxes. Oh, M goodness. I can't do the other cause that's taking his name in vain. Now here's the thing. Bible's talking about taxes. You got to get the mindset of first century Rome. If you don't pay your taxes, what do you get from the IRS? A letter, thank you. He were here, uh, d- dude. Give him, give him at least a couple of seconds before you answer, Travis. He has the transcript, and he's been here for the early service. You get a letter, right? I, how many of you gotten? I've gotten a letter before when I did something wrong and had to go back and you know. Sometimes it's just an address you do wrong, or you get the wrong social security number. You get a letter, you correct it, and then you go. Whew, don't want to deal with them anymore. In the first century, if they didn't pay their taxes, you know what they got? A visit. A letter is much better than a visit anytime. I don't care how jacked up your taxes are. No one's coming to your house and selling your children and your spouse and your property. And if they get enough money, you might get out of prison. That's not happening to you. That was happening to these people. You pay your taxes not because the taxes are just. You pay your taxes because the government has been established by God. And cheating the government is cheating God. Now, some of you are going, so we're never supposed to question authority? Always question authority in the right way. When you bow up and when you've got fire from your eyes and spit flying out, I told them that's not the right attitude. Because I want you to think what happened with, with Daniel in the Old Testament. He was under an unrighteous king. The unrighteous king said, pray, they, they made a, a law, only pray to that king. Well, he kept praying to God because that's a higher authority. You know what they did? They threw him in the lion's den. He said, well, all right. So he goes in the lion's den. The Bible says that, that the angel came down and shut the mouths of the lions so that they did not do anything to him. The next day the king comes and he says, oh, oh, Daniel, has your God been able to protect you? Yes, I'm, I'm here, king. He brings him out. He throws all the people who made the law in there. It says before they even hit the bottom, the lions attacked them and ripped them bone from bone. These were hungry lions. And you know who got the glory for the way Daniel handled it? God did because the king said, I'm making a new law and we're only going to worship Daniel's God. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made this big old 90-foot statue, and they said, when you hear this music, you should bow down to this statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not going to do that. So they throw them into the fiery furnace. When they throw them into the fiery furnace, the king is standing there, and he says, weren't there three that we threw in? I see four. One looks like the son of God. And when they came out, this king said, new rule. We're only following Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God because he is mighty. When you stay under authority and you, you can question it and you can have the right attitude, when you do that and then God brings about a solution, God gets the glory, not you. When you're all bowed up, I told them it's about you and you're following your daddy, the devil. You're acting just like him. So it's okay to question authority. It's okay to write letters. It's okay to maybe even march in a civil disobedience protest, but don't rebel. Now, somebody's going, what about a dad who asked his son to rob a bank? Gotcha. Really? You go to a higher authority. It's what Daniel did. It's what Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego did. You go to a higher authority. You don't have to, you don't have to break the law because your authority tells you to. In fact, I would tell you not to break the law. I would tell you to follow the higher authority because then the highest authority will honor you in the eyes of other people. It may take a while. Joseph was thrown into prison. He was there a long time. But when he got out, he was promoted to the second in the kingdom. And he even got to see his brothers who had thrown him into the pit and sold him into slavery. They had to come begging him for food. And instead of going, see suckers, you know what he said? He said, you meant to harm me, but God meant it for good. We look back at those people and we say, these are the most righteous, most like God people on the planet that have ever been on the planet. You want to be one of those? You stay under authority. You appeal to a higher authority and you wait until he acts. And then he gets the glory. Seeing a problem and working to have it resolved is not rebellion. You see, here's the, here's the real problem. This is where I'm trying to go. The real problem is if you can look at a, at a rule and say, I don't have to follow that rule because I don't like it. What happens when you come across something in the Bible that you don't like? Let me tell you what you're already doing. Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus Christ said that. And someone then, and someone now says, um, Jesus, could you define neighbor for me? Cause I don't know who I'm supposed to love. Jesus basically says it's everybody. Even the people you're supposed to despise. The Samaritan was the one he honored in the story. The Samaritans were despised by the Jews, but we're like, um, who's my neighbor? I don't know how to love. Because I don't know who my neighbor is. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Um, Could you define that for me? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who's my enemy? Pray for them, really? Give 10% of your income to the church. Are you stinking kidding me? It's in the scripture, I can show you. I can show you specifically in the Old Testament. I can show you where Jesus approved of it in the New Testament. In fact, the the, the 10%, the tithe, that was supposed to be a starting point. Not the end all. People argue about that. 10% of what? 10% of the gross? 10% of the net? 10% of what's left over at the end of the month. 
Big fat zero. Because 10% of zero is zero. Costs you nothing. So what we're doing. We don't like a rule in the Bible. We ignore it. And then we wonder why we have no spiritual power when tragedy strikes. We have no spiritual power when someone comes and says something to us. We don't. Oh my goodness, I'm being persecuted. You don't know anybody that's been burned on a stake. You don't know anybody that was fed to the lions, been ripped up. You're not persecuted in America yet. It's coming. It's coming because Christians look and act just like non-Christians. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed. We need Christians to, to be reflections of Jesus Christ. And that's what he does even through unrighteous authority. He makes you look more like Jesus Christ. Jesus was under unrighteous authority. The, the spiritual authorities he was under, the, the Roman authorities, he, and God exalted him to the highest place and seated him at the right hand of the throne of God. And there will be a day, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, the Bible says there will be one day when every knee and every tongue, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The ultimate authority. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. You see, you never know what God is up to at at a given moment. Jesus said, my father is always at work and I too am working. You don't know what God is doing in those authorities in your life. And if you step out from underneath that, you're going to lose God's power and blessing. So you ought to be scared to death to step out from underneath the authorities that God has placed in your life. You do not know what God's going to do through them. And you're going to miss his blessings if you rebel. Because think about this. In, in, in uh, Egypt, the Israelites were in slavery. And if you and I had shown up at that time, we said, God, they're, they're slaves. They're making bricks. They're building statues. They're building pyramids. All these things to honor Pharaoh. God, do something. And God says, I, I, I am doing something. I'm building a nation. If we'd shown up when Jesus Christ was being crucified, he was being persecuted the last week of his life. The, the religious people are lying about him. They turn him over to these wicked Romans. They beat him. They crucify him. We probably would have said, Jesus, God, do something. And, and God says, I am doing something. I'm saving the world. You do not know what God is doing in your world until you've heard from Jesus Christ. Stop acting until you've heard from Jesus. Because we're just like the world. God is saying, I'm God. I'm in charge whether your boss believes it or not. Whether your president believes it or not. Whether your governor believes it or not. I'm in charge. And my kingdom extends beyond this world. So be very careful. The very authority that you're trying to reject may be the one that God allowed in your life to teach you something and make you look more like Jesus so that more people can come into the kingdom of God because his agenda is bigger than your agenda. If you step out from under that authority, you're on your own. God's not going to bless you. So here's the last thing. You submit to authority not because you're blank. I left it blank. You fill it in. Not because my boss is perfect. Not because my parents are perfect. Not because my president is perfect. I submit to authority because God is perfect. And he always works through authority. Anyone in in authority is God's servant in your life. You look more like Jesus. And you have to remember the way you respond to, to earthly authority 
is a direct reflection to how you respond to God's authority. Let's pray together. Father, we buy the lies. We buy that we can be free if we just do our own thing. Wake up this generation, Lord. Wake up the next generation. Because there's so many people who need to hear about the incredible God that you are, the incredible sacrifice you made through Jesus Christ so that my sins do not cause me to go to hell because I have been, my sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. It's my prayer that everyone here could know for sure that their sins have been paid for. God raises up into the type of church that takes your word more seriously than anything else. Make us the type of Christians that we would rather obey God. We would rather die than disobey God. And then use us to change this world. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.